and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of ESSR Central. My name is David Hockney and yes, we're back again for another another week of some very, very stacked news this week regarding not just the, the road to WrestleMania, but also... Uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony, which over the space of just a few hours, we've had three new inductees. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that as the as the recording goes on. But I'm but I'm not alone today. I'm also joined by one half of the priesthood in the ESSR draft. It is Ross McLeod. Ross, how are you? Yeah, I'm not really speaking about the draft. Um, <laughs> we've we've all been given up there and. Um, Aye, but anyway, a bit more energy, come on, it's the road to WrestleMania. Yes. For Damien Priest and Bad Bunny, uh, sorry, Damien Priest, pal Bad Bunny, facing the Miz. See, I get that excited, I mean, a total arse here. But yes, <laughs> we're on the road to WrestleMania, and yes. we get to talk about Fastlane, everybody's yes. favourite pay-per-view. Yes. All right, and yes, and on that note, we'll... We'll start off with some Fastlane discussion. Obviously, Fastlane was uh, this past weekend. And I think my immediate thought of it was, you know, it was just, you know, your substandard B pay-per-view that probably wasn't really necessary on the road to WrestleMania. But you know what? It's come and gone. Uh, stories were furthered on in some capacity. And we did get, you know, a fair few good matches out of it. So uh, just to sort of quickly run over the pre-show, uh, Matt Riddle retains the US title over Mustafa Ali. But the biggest output coming of that is it looks like Retribution is finally broken down. Uh, Ross, are you breathing a sigh of relief that Retribution's finally uh, sort of been split apart because of it? Well, I, I, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I didn't mind them too much. They were hampered by really, really, really lazy booking. You know, a, a complaint I have about um, AEW is that they want you to watch everything and, you know, certain things are explained on being the elite and then other things are explained on dark and then the payoffs on dynamite. But WWE usually beat you over the head with what's happened on the bump, WWE.com and, you know, backstage and all that. They, they haven't done that with Retribution, you know. They, you know, uh, Mustafa uh, got his first name back because he said, why should I change my name to make you feel less, you know, harassed. You know, the reason they're called Slapjack and T-Bar is so they can feel how I felt when I get my name stripped from me and how stupid I am. And then, you, then the whole thing with Kofi Kingston that went nowhere, the whole, like, you know, I get booed at Fastlane last year because you took my spot. Mm -hmm. You know, you only got there because I was injured, you know, and, and this better storyline, it, it worked well on paper, but just WWE were very lazy with it and didn't help that their, you know, their commentary team and all that were outwardly laughing at them. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I think it is a very wasted opportunity. Um, the match itself, very good. Um, fastly in itself, you know, you talked about it being your typical B pay-per-view. Um, Sunday uh, was the Rangers-Celtic game. And in a game that was very uneventful and finished 1-1, um, this was the perfect pay-per-view to match that day because this was a sort of uneventful pay-per-view with a bit too much filler. And, yeah, it's certain, just kind of 
paving the road to WrestleMania a wee bit, but not really a needed pay-per-view. You know, I, I said before on our pre-show for Fastlane, would we rather go back to the six-week sort of run-up to WrestleMania and just have one pay-per-view in between? And that pay-per-view is a really, really good pay-per-view that sets up a lot of things. And then the, pay- the TV you get in between that is constant WrestleMania implications. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd, I'd much rather go back to that than this whole, you know, slog. Because last year it was um, Super Showdown. Yep. And this year it's Fastlane that's just kind of got in the way. And Fastlane, because of it, is a pay-per-view that gets kind of a bad rep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite unfairly in some aspects. But, uh, yeah, we'll just... Uh... We'll kick off with the the main show of the card, and you know you talked about you know we're on the road to WrestleMania. Suddenly, you know this is where the the culmination of stories since like the Royal Rumble are going to be finally reached. But two people that haven't exactly you know been booked to perfection were Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, who once again lost to Shayna and Nia for the women's tag team titles. But there seems to be a definite split between Sasha and Bianca now. Like, is this something that they should have had right from the get-go rather than being embroiled, embroiled as a tag team? Um, I think it... I don't think it should have happened straight away, maybe because, you know, Sasha is, is in danger of turning into the big show with the heel-face, heel-face sort of thing. <laughs> the but big certainly boss. after um, Elimination Chamber, like, it, it would have been helpful to have it then because... You know, we saw in years gone by AJ Styles and Nakamura, prime example, friends teaming up. They're about to go on the road to WrestleMania. It doesn't really work. You know, Shawn Michaels Cena was a great match, but the build wasn't all that great. It was only after when, you know, they were still holding the Raw Tag Team titles, uh, when Michaels betrayed them, that the, the feud started heating up a wee bit. And they had that classic match in London and a couple of four ways and what have you. Yeah, and also, you know, Shane and I are very singular-minded when it when it came to their first tag team run uh, together. Why are they not putting a case in saying, hold on a minute, not only have we pinned on pay-per-view the Royal Rumble winner, we've pinned on pay-per-view the SmackDown Women's Champion and we've beat them twice in high-pressure type of situations. You know, surely they should be making a claim like, hold on a minute. Mm. You know, this... You know, I, I wouldn't have been adverse like if they went, right, hold on, we beat we beat them in a tag match. We beat them for the tag titles. We've now won a tag match, and if we win, we're in the main event of WrestleMania, and Bianca isn't, and then they'd have to maybe get along. But I don't see why there needed to be another women's tag title defence. Yeah, because it was announced, you know, just sort of out of thin air, and I think you might be right. I think the Elimination Chamber uh, match should have been the the turning point for Sasha and Bianca. But, you know, we're getting that match anyway, and we'll uh, we'll talk about sort of the planning of WrestleMania's card, because uh, we had a few more matches be announced there, and some have been put on specific nights. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, but you mentioned Shinsuke Nakamura earlier on, you know, in his feud with AJ Styles. Well, he was in a match this Sunday as well, but in a losing effort, unfortunately, to Seth Rollins. Now, this was actually Seth Rollins' first match since, I believe, like early November 2020. So this is his first one-on-one match in about four months because he was in the Survivor Series elimination match, which is a multi-person. And then the next match he was in was the Royal Rumble, but he's not competed since then until, until Fastlane. Now, these two guys, you would think, you know, they would deliver an absolute barn burner 
of a match. Maybe maybe not necessarily on WrestleMania, but at the very least a big four, uh, one of the other ones. Like, how did it feel sort of seeing these two guys on a on a B pay per view when you know you've got you know literally millions of diehard fans would be screaming for this match on a big four pay per view. I think it's a bit weird, you know. Um, certainly the the position of it, you know, when Shinsuke was getting pushed, not pushed, but like when he won that um, gauntlet match, or sorry, got to the final two and then lost to Adam Pearce in the gauntlet match, fans were screaming out online like, oh, is this going to be, you know, the, the moment that Shinsuke gets his retribution? He got his old music back that the fans can sing along to and, you know, there was that weird thing with Cesaro and Daniel Bryan where Cesaro was like, don't talk to Shinsuke, don't shake Shinsuke's hand, don't say good, he's my friend, he's you know, he's my tag team partner. And then nothing came of it, you know, when Shinsuke was getting beaten up and laid out and Cesaro sort of went his own way. And now Cesaro's out because of Seth Rollins, so Nakamura's going to defend him. They've appeared more separately and they've made more of what this tag team actually is in like the three months they were SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a weird build that it's something that follows Shinsuke Nakamura about WWE. You know, they can't just let him be himself. It is sort of a sort of lazy booking that uh-huh. he has. Um, but the match itself I thought was great. Um, I was holding out hope that maybe Nakamura would win you know, I always thought it'd be through nefarious means, maybe a Cesaro interference. But with Seth Rollins' first singles match since he actually, I believe, won the qualifier to get on Team SmackDown. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was never he was never going to lose here, especially when they're going to have like I think WrestleMania in the past few years has missed a great wrestling match. I think maybe WWE are fed up with hearing about how good was, you know, this wrestling match. At Wrestle Kingdom, how good was this match? You know, at, at AEW's, you know, double or nothing or all out or whatever. I think they want to have that sleeper hit in the middle of the card. And I think this could be it, Cesaro Seth Rollins. But unfortunately for Nakamura, he was a, a small pawn in the game. Uh, it's a shame, really, because, you know, a few of us have been talking about it in the group chat. You know, everybody thought Nakamura was going to get this big push the same way Kofi did, as you mentioned there. But you know, there have been reports that came out afterwards saying that Nakamura is going to be somebody that's, you know, who's going to be someone to put over talent rather than, you know, sort of be a sort of breakout star, which they, like he should have been a couple of years ago. So it's, it's a real shame he's sort of been put in this position because he is a he is a worldwide phenomenon and he's he basically set the bar in his first match in NXT. But in the main roster, he just seems to have, you know, never quite hit those high notes. But, you know, Seth Rollins, on the other hand, you know, he's sort of reinvented himself as this sort of visionary. And he's great at telling stories. And by the way, his suit game is on point, by the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's certainly putting uh, him and Reginald are basically carrying SmackDown's fashion sense at the minute. But He's um, the second best-dressed man in wrestling behind James R. Kennedy. Hi, <laughs> your pal James R. Kennedy. Yeah. But um, I, it does look like we're going to get Rollins v. Cesaro at Mania. And to be honest, I'm not complaining because I think this could be an opportunity for Cesaro's, you know, sort of proper WrestleMania moment since winning the first Andre Battle Royal. But yeah, I yeah. think all, overall, I think it was a pretty pretty solid match, what we yeah, got here. Yeah, it, it was a good match. Something I will say quickly on the, the Nakamura being used to put over talent. Um, that This was the problem with, for years the likes of Dolph Ziggler, and until 
until recently, Sami Zayn. Dolph Ziggler and Sami Zayn were always like the sixth guy in the chamber, the eighth guy in the Money in the Bank, the you know the fifth guy on team and say whatever team it was at Survivor Series here. You know they. And then it got to the point where whenever they did have a world title match, it's just like, oh, God, this guy again. And it's not because they're not great wrestlers. It's because we know it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's just... And, of- and Nakamura's in danger of becoming that. Yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll move forward now to the Intercontinental Championship match where Big E defeated Apollo Crews. Now, I don't know about you, Ross, but I was really, really enjoying this match right up until the finish. Like, that finish was ridiculous. Because like, it looked like you know, there was a roll-up, then it was countered, and it looked like, you know, uh, a six count in some aspects. So it was it was weird to see, you know, what was actually going on. I don't know how you how you feel about that. I, I thought it was a weird one. I thought it was... Um, I thought it was just daft. It really was. It was... Um, especially when later in the night, you know, and we'll talk about the main event and the dodgy finish and the oh, God, what does this mean for the, you know, the universal title scene? They did two in a night. And, you know, the match was going about, it only went about six minutes, I believe. And, five minutes, 45, yeah. Oh, well, there you go, six minutes, so you round it up. <laughs> yeah. Like um, exactly, but, um, yeah. And in a show where, you know, you've had, it was a sort of double show, you know what I mean? Because they had Retribution breaking up. And then they had Sasha and Bianca break up right after. Then they had a really short match. Then they had, you know, another really short match. And then they had, um, you know, they also had this title, oh God, what does that mean? And then the universal title, oh God. So a lot of the things were done twice on this card and it was sort of, it it was the sort of thing that you need on a pay-per-view, but if you'd sprinkled this over a couple of weeks of TV, it would have worked a lot better, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas at a pay-per-view, you're just like, what is the point of that? Yeah. Uh, and as for, you know, Apollo Crews as a character, I, I think this has actually done him more damage than, you know, than it does for Big E. Because they, did, they didn't even show us a replay of that controversial pinfall. And it, it just went straight into Apollo beating up Big E. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, did they just want to give Big E the win, but sort of do it in controversy so that Apollo doesn't get hurt too much? But, you know, it's still a loss against, you know, a brand new invigorated Apollo Crews. And I think that actually did more harm than good. I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, yes and no. If they're not showing the replay, that to me suggests that they deliberately knew Apollo's shoulders would be up and yeah. or that Big E's would be down. And this is going to be a thing on um, SmackDown where he goes, well, look what happened, I was screwed, I was X, I was Y, I was Z, you know. Mm-hmm. And he'll make a case for a WrestleMania match and I'm sure they'll do some sort of stipulation match. Uh, I don't see it being a big multi-man match. I can see maybe the US title, even though Sheamus and Riddle have started having a wee thing on Raw, I can see that being a multi-man match more than I can see. I don't I don't see the Incredible title match being a multi-man match now because of the implications here um, it was just it was a weird finish but I think it is going to be the whole I was screwed I was this I was that Big E maybe saying well you know I beat you three times already when I didn't screw you over you know not mm-hmm. my fault you made a mistake blah 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 and then it'll be some sort of 
big stipulation match, I think. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, if, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they did like a, a stipulation match for WrestleMania between these two. The United States title seems more likely to be a multi-person, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Riddle seems to be having a, a feud with Sheamus now, but we'll see where that goes. Uh I'm gonna. I'm not gonna sort of go into too much detail on Braun Strowman and Elias because that was essentially a squash match to sort of fill the the void that's already the bigger story with Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon, uh, who who has been confirmed for WrestleMania now. So that's going to be a one on one match between those two. But I don't know about you, but I'm actually getting vibes of the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax angle that occurred uh, for WrestleMania in 2018. Like, you know, Shane McMahon's essentially poking the bear saying Braun Strowman is stupid and stuff like that. I mean, it's, I mean, it is childish to an extent, but seeing Braun cut that impassioned promo on Raw Talk about his, you know, his reading disability and, you know, people had sort of been, you know, talking to him like that his entire life. It's, it, you really felt like this was probably one of his best promos he's ever cut. Uh, And I don't know, but I'm actually excited to see Braun kick Shane's ass at Mania now. Yeah, I can see this being um, a sort of Shane versus Big Show feud where Shane gets, you know, his lackeys involved. You know, he got TNA involved last time. I think maybe he'll get, you know, Elias and Jackson Riker involved just so they can be on the WrestleMania card. Um, But, yeah, I didn't mind the match. It was a harmless, you know, three-minute squash match. It was a harmless bit of fun Shane faking the injury, which we found out the next night on Raw. He's like, oh, you won't be faking it when I get my hands on you. And you're like, oh, yes, here we go. Also, unpopular opinion. I said it in the group chat. The train noises for Braun Strowman. Oh, God. No, 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 no. This is my time. to. I absolutely love them. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yes, give me that. But you know what's actually really funny is like even before they started doing that, I always thought you know they've got the whole Strowman Express theme and his Titan Tron, and when he does that run around the ring, I actually said to myself, "Can you imagine if they actually did a, like a, a choo choo noise or something, and he just hits him? It'd just be amazing." <laughs> but now you don't have to imagine it anymore. They're actually going with it. It's, it's, I mean, it's silly, but you know, it's silly in a almost like a a humorous way that ties in with the theme of his entrance. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think, I think WWE gets a lot of stick for when they try to do daft, stupid shit, and then mm-hmm. you know, if a guy's punching people into a vat of mimosas. All of a sudden, it's the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's have a bit of a laugh. And you know, I mean, I I think it's funny. The rest of the group chat don't seem to think it's funny, but I'm the lone guy sitting pissing myself. So, I, no, listen, you're not the only one. I, I mean, at first I think, oh my god, have they actually done that? But then when I thought about it, it's like, you know what? I, I could actually go along with it, even though it's it, it it sounds stupid, but it's it's stupid in a in a hilarious way, and you can't help but join in. Yeah, it's like almost like the the one fall, or you say, oh, it's boss time. It's it's, it's like one of those things. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's Strowman and Shane's sort of uh, feud continuing. Uh, now, this next match, I would argue, was probably match of the night. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus in the No Holds Barred match. Would you Would you agree with that? Um, I prefer Brian Roman, but this match was very, very good. Yeah. Um, I think it, it would have been better, even though we all know Drew's going to WrestleMania. I you know, they announce, oh, by the way, this is the number one contenders match, as opposed to, by the way, it's going to be, 
you know, Lashley drew, but Drew's got something else to prove this Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. They both knocked each other pillar to post. The kendo stick shots, throwing each other through the... The... The screens? Thunderdome. I was going to say the Superdome. <laughs> the Thunderdome, LED boards. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good laugh. I thought it was... What about the the white noise through the table? Aye, oh, amazing. That was a belter of a spot. And Drew came out wearing Braveheart paint as well. First time I think we've ever seen him do that. <laughs> Mate, yeah, I've seen the, people take all, the piss out of it. I, I thought it was quite cool. All the patriots uh, in Scotland are just chanting freedom at the top of their voice. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I suppose in the context of you know going to war and stuff, it did make sense. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you say this should have been a number one contenders match because then it added something else to what was already a, a very personal feud. But, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact, you know, it was violent, it was brutal. And, you know, two guys with great chemistry, you knew they were going to deliver something great. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it would have gave the match that Sheamus had the next night with Bobby Lashley a bit more meaning. If mm-hmm. it was a number one contenders match, like, you know, Sheamus is out of the title picture now, but if he can beat Bobby Lashley tonight, he might be flying for a future title shot should he win at WrestleMania, you know. Mm-hmm. It would give things a bit more personal feel about it. Uh, but he seems to be on a, a collision course with Matt Riddle now, so yeah, fair play. It's like, you know, they had a lot of good stuff here, but they just don't know how to put it in the right order. Like, and it's, I think WWE's been guilty of that in a lot of programs for mm-hmm. Mania. But you know what? We've got Drew versus Lashley now, and that's going to be the, the feud going forward. Now, this next one, I think we were all quite intrigued by. The intergender match between Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. Now, obviously, WWE being a, a PG company, uh, one that sort of appeals to families and stuff, you had to imagine that there wasn't going to be any sort of physicality between these two and instead it was just going to be a long dragged out segment but well I say dragged out it was actually quite quite intriguing you know using all the the powers and stuff to sort of drop the lights launch the fire make Randy cough up the the goop again but I think the biggest talking point coming out of that is horrible vision Randy coughing up goop <laughs> yeah. Black tar, call it that. It sounds more sinister. Goop sounds like he's been at a dirty party in a Berlin nightclub. <laughs> Jesus uh, I, but obviously, the biggest talking point coming out is the the fiend is back and looking kind of like the like a, a swamp creature from a a seventies horror film. Uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, your brother put in the group chat. Uh, a picture of Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the lighting um, didn't do him justice uh, there, but the WrestleMania poster where it looks like he's sort of, pardon me, he's got sort of a split mm-hmm. like from the top of his forehead down past his uh, right eye and then down his cheek where he's like burned all his skin off and, you know, you know, he's meant to look mangled because he was set on fire. Let's not forget that, you know. Yeah. WWE get a lot of shit for Randy Orton having burns and then all of a sudden they were gone and it was like, well, what, what happened to your disfigured face? Like, mm. and <laughs> so, yeah, he is meant to look disfigured. You know, it was me- it was more, um, his first look was more Joker, uh, death in the fat 
death in the family sort of thing where he stapled his face back on. This looks more like Swamp Thing. Yeah, that's what it is. Swamp Thing. That's what that reminds me of. And um, there is a, a theory going about that it might actually be Bo Dallas under that suit. And yeah, I did notice that he, the Fiend did look oddly slimmer. And I don't know if that's just because maybe Bray Wyatt's just lost a bit of timber during, you know, between TLC and now, but... Uh, See, I, I don't think we notice when wrestlers lose weight and t- unless we either go back and watch like an older pay-per-view and go, wow, they're a lot fatter or a lot thinner than they are now. Mm-hmm. Like, you see around about... Uh, tw- if you go back and watch the 2015 Royal Rumble or at least just the bits Bray Wyatt's in, he's really slim there. He is really, really slim there. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't wrestle on TV for about two months until he faces The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And he's a bit more a bit pudgier. He's put a bit of weight on there. Um, but yeah, the, the theory is that it's Bo Dallas under there and when we get to WrestleMania, the real fiend will reappear. Which, hey, if, you know, if this gets Bo Dallas on TV and then makes Bo Dallas maybe a more interesting character, you know, then fire away. See, the reason I don't think it's Bo is I think it's the, the dreads that give it away. Like I think they're maybe they've messed up the the dreads a bit instead of just being all slicked back. Uh, they're, they're sort of messed up a little bit and sort of kept under the that costume looking thing. But it's it's again it's too too difficult to see really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think that is just a conspiracy theory. I do think it is brave, but I would be against two fiends at WrestleMania and then old think- Alice like maybe taking the mask off and being like aligning with. Uh, the Fiend and Alexa maybe making the the thing with the Wyatt family is the thing that should have been happening with the Dark Order when you know they're getting so low that they agree to join the Dark Order and they you know they, they've sort of become faces now uh, through the unfortunate passing of uh, Brody Lee but you know I think we could make a really good heel cult like stable here which mm. is something the, the Wyatt family should have been yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there you go. The, since you mentioned you, know, this could be a bit of a conspiracy theory. There's, there's the, the goats next YouTube episode sorted out right there. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll move on to the main event now. Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Edge was the special guest enforcer in the Universal Championship match. Now this went on for a full thirty minutes, like thirty minutes on the dot, and it was certainly a, a very interestingly booked match uh almost would you say it was almost like it had a vibe of the the attitude era about it you because there was interference there was controversy uh as a guest enforcer gets involved the referee takes a bump and you know the champion retains in some wild crazy fashion oh no 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 there'd have to be at least six more ref bumps and nine more interferences I mean (laughs) there was not one member of the corporation or the main street posse there so I mean instantly that argument is invalidated there was no stone cold um, I I do see what you mean it is the sort of chaos thing that happened certainly in uh, the lead up to WrestleMania 13 with the final four storyline where it was, you know, guy, you know, Michaels vacates the title, but then Hart wins it, but then Sid wins it, but then Undertaker wins, and all the contenders, and Austin gets his rumble shot taken away, and then certainly McManomania at WrestleMania 2000, where it's like Big Show won the Royal Rumble, but he didn't get seen, so The Rock won it, so then Big Show wins the match, but then Foley comes back, and there's 
you know, it, it does feel like that, but I'm not a fan of the storyline of Daniel Bryan being added to the Mania match. Uh, seven years ago, yes, he should have been in from the start. Um, it, it shouldn't have been Randy Orton Batista at all. Mm-hmm. But now, I think maybe they want to save Edge and Roman for crowds. You know, maybe they want, you know, they're, they're, they might have crowds back in soon. You know, restrictions are easing throughout the world. You know, places like Florida are a lot more lax on the coronavirus laws and social distancing laws. Mm-hmm. They'll maybe want to wait until they can get people in to have Edge fight Roman Reigns. So maybe a wee triple threat match where Edge pins Daniel Bryan. You know, that's the thinking there. But I think the lead up to WrestleMania, lead up to Royal Rumble with a losing streak of Bryan and all that, like he shouldn't be. He shouldn't mm-hmm. be anywhere near it. If you know, if anything, I'd have thought Nakamura would be near it, given his push lead up to the Rumble. Uh, it's almost as if Brian has been shoehorned into you know what was basically going to be a, a done deal. We you know Roman Reigns versus Edge at WrestleMania, basically in the in the classic spear off. You know, say my spear is better than your spear, that kind of thing. But I I'm not sure how I feel about Daniel Bryan's involvement this time. It almost feels very forced. But at the same time, you know, he's said in a few reports earlier this year that he's not necessarily going to be a full-time competitor anymore and mm. said he's either going to go part-time or, you know, continue to work behind the scenes in creative. But, I mean, he's, he's, no, he's no spring chicken. I mean, well, I say he's not a spring chicken. I mean, Edge is like 47 and Brian is like almost 40. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the age argument really works with this one, but, you know, Brian's obviously said, you know, I think part-time and creative seems more like a, a suitable direction for him. And Edge is kind of you know at that position where he didn't finish on his own terms the first time and now he's trying to claw it all back but i think you might have a point here maybe they could be saving roman versus edge one-on-one for possibly SummerSlam. i think because that would be the next big four and that gives time for yeah. an edge to sort of recuperate a bit yeah well if you know god willing there isn't in you know knock on wood there isn't a, a third wave in places you're hoping that life starts to get back to normal by the end of summer. So they could easily just t- make SummerSlam the last week in August. And yeah. even, even if it's not international fans, you know, if you hold it at a, a 10,000 arena, you know, 10,000 seater stadium, and maybe if you only, you know, social distancing means you can only have 5,000, it's still going to be a, a, a good atmosphere and 5,000 fans there. It'll be a lot. 5,000 in a 10,000 seater stadium sounds better than, you know, WrestleMania. 25,000 and a 70,000 seater stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they've already reached their, their 100 million vaccination target now in the space of just, I think it was two months or so. Uh, so if you add on, you know, the extra five months where the majority of Americans will probably be vaccinated, I imagine they could have live crowds return by SummerSlam time. Yeah, you're so um, Yeah. But, but yeah, one other sort of key point I want to point out is Edge ends up attacking both of them and pe- some people are saying online that this is a heel turn. I'm not so sure it is. Would you say this is more of like a, a push towards being a tweener now? No, I, I don't think Edge has ever been a face and he's not made any, you know, he's not made any bones about it. You know, he said to Drew McIntyre, what the hell's the matter with you? You know, why are you praising me? He goes, make no mistake about it. I like you, Drew, but if I get the chance, I'm going to drop you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he sort of played... He, you know, he was in between uh, Pete Dunne and 
Finn Balor on the lead up to Vengeance Day with a big wooden spoon just mixing it right up. <laughs> you know, try to get in both t- people's heads. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and he's, you know, he, he played the game with Roman. He played the game with Miz. You know, he's he's not... He's not being a face, you know. He, he's sort of a more, he's sort of a a Steve Austin style character, you know. I think that's the one people go to. Or you know, well, you mentioned Attitude Era and the Attitude Era. Rock wasn't a buddy, buddy. Hello, how are you? No, Rock hated everyone. Austin hated everyone. They only teamed with <laughs> people when they were forced. And nine times out of ten, they either stunned or rock bottomed whoever they teamed with. Um, what I did say to Scott because I, I watched it uh, with him. What I did say to him was, has Edge never seen a wrestling show before? It always baffles me when someone accidentally hits another wrestler and that other wrestler's first reaction is to go, you bastard, and hit. Like, there's such a thing as an accident everywhere except the WWE. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, he clearly didn't mean it, you know. Brian was throwing everything out in the line. He took out the ref. He accidentally hit Edge. Um... But yeah, he attacks both competitors. Daniel can say, you know, well, actually, I made Roman tap. You know, I, I should be Universal Champion just now. Uh, but I wonder how they're going to get him into the match. I don't know if it's just going to be a case of on Friday they go, yeah, you're in. Mm. Well, I hope I'm actually intrigued as to where they'll go with it now because it makes you wonder will they do a triple threat? Will they keep it one on one? But, and, you know, we were sort of, you know, having this discussion about the WWE title, but now that's pretty much set in stone. We're sort of switched over to the Universal title, like, oh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? Yeah. And this will be, they'll certainly make it a lot more interesting. But one last thing I want to talk about Fastlane uh, before we move on to some of the other new stories is that obviously Fastlane was the first WWE pay-per-view to be shown exclusively on Peacock in the United States. Now, we've had, you know, multiple discussions about Peacock on Central before, but... Uh, I've just seen from WrestlePage's uh, Instagram account is that now that Peacock is the new home of the WWE Network in the States, it's actually edited out some controversial segments from past WWE events, particularly any sort of racist uh, depictions from the past. For example, uh, WrestleMania 6, where Roddy Piper was wearing blackface, that's been edited out as well. And... Another example was Survivor Series 2005, where Vince McMahon said the N-word to John Cena in yeah. front of Booker T and Charmel. Uh, do you think this is a... I mean, I, I think it goes without saying, you know, that this sort of thing, you know, needs to be, you know, sort of dealt with. And, uh, you know, there, there's no place for it whatsoever. Do you think this was a, uh, a smart decision by Peacock, you know? But I, I think that goes without saying, though, don't you think? Well, um, Disney Plus had removed a couple of films... Um, yeah, Peter Pan, you know, the, the Red Indians, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Red Bull sort of thing. Uh, Aris- aristocrats, I believe, you know, there's uh, some yeah. unfortunate imagery towards people of Asian heritage there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady and the Tramp, I believe, is the same. Dumble, uh, The Crows, uh, The Jungle Book, I don't know what The Jungle Book was for. I, if anyone knows, please tell me. I think it's because uh, I think it may be because of King Louis in The Jungle Book. But I'm not entirely sure. All right, uh, and the uh, live-action Swiss Family Robinson. Uh, I've never seen that, so I, I couldn't comment on that. But that was that was something that was uh, a headline a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, Peacock have the right; it's their service. Obviously, you know, 
Vince McMahon, certainly even as late as 2005, should not have been saying, what up, my, you know what? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things like, like for the Chris Benoit argument um, on the WWE Network that we still have here was that they put up this, this depicts people that may not be affiliated with WWE anymore, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sky, Sky, uh, Sky Q is a good example as well. Sky Q, when you go into their movie section, uh, there's certain films where it says this contains um, materials and materials and scenes that were acceptable at the time but have since became unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Disney's old streaming service did have, we could edit it and pretend it didn't happen, but that's like washing over the issue. So I think this sort of thing is, is a problem on a lot of streaming sites, and I'm rambling, so I'll try to get to the point quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, films, it's never been okay to do stuff like this. Like, if you are someone who does respect people's, you know, heritage and, you know, if you are not PC, because that's, I, I hate that word, but like, mm-hmm. if you're a normal functioning human being, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never been accepted to do these. Person, yeah. Yeah, it's never been acceptable to do these things. However, attitudes towards certain cultures and races and religions and sexualities and what have you, and certainly, you know, um, attitudes towards maybe mental health and what have you, you know, we're a lot more educated nowadays and people lambast social media, but people can maybe explain things better through social media now and, you know, things are stopped and, you know, we don't use certain terms and, you know, that's for the better. I don't think we should remove stuff that was made back then. If you get me? Mm, No, but you can put the the warning that, you know, this this has, you know, this film may contain certain scenes or imagery that was acceptable at the time, Mm. but is no longer acceptable now. You know, and then it is up to the viewer to watch. I think removing it takes away the right of the viewer to decide. I want to watch this. You know, uh, you can't. You can't just. You can't just remove it and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Well, I think we'll we'll save the the conversation for another day. I think it's you know we were sort of venturing into something that could be you know described in a, another show entirely. But we'll we'll. Yeah. Anyway, back to the wrestling. That's what we'll do. So, um, yeah, so WrestleMania, you know, the, uh, as we saw in Raw, you know, a few more matches were announced and some have actually been set on night one and night two accordingly. And one that's actually mm-hmm. caused a bit of uproar is Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair is being put on night one, uh, along with Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. And it looks like it could be Lashley and Drew main eventing night one. And a lot of people are saying, well, why aren't Sasha and Bianca main eventing and, and things like that. I mean, personally, I think they should because they've certainly had a, quite an interesting program, to say the least, whereas Lashley Drew sort of, you know, was plucked out of nowhere uh, literally before uh, a pay-per-view which could have had a number one contenders match. Do you think WWE's missed the boat with having another women's main event for, you know, albeit WrestleMania's two nights this time, but it's still a main, it's still a main event for, for one night? No, I disagree entirely with what you're saying about Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. It's been a Absolutely horrendous build-up. It's not through the fault of Sasha Bianca. You know, the slap from Sasha post-match at Fastlane was the most interesting thing that has happened 
Drew and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley has been simmering, you know, as US champion for a while now. You know, under the tutelage of MVP, him, Cedric, uh, I was about to say Cedric Eaton, Cedric Alexander <laughs> and uh, Shelton Benjamin have become really interesting characters. Drew McIntyre has been the poster boy for WWE for almost a year and a half now. Bobby Lashley positioned himself in a way to get into the main event of WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre wants his redemption. And in the short time that it's been going, Drew and Bobby has been a more interesting feud, I'm sorry, than Sasha and Bianca. Um, something I will say, WWE hasn't confirmed any main events yet. WWE do this thing where the Royal Rumble winner will main event WrestleMania. Well, there's two Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. How, how, how can they both main event WrestleMania unless it is going to be a two-night thing? Well, and yeah, you can go, oh, well, the Rumble winner should main event. Well, you know, sometimes there's bigger matches and sometimes the storyline has been poorly told. And had this been a year where, you know, we went, oh, you can have Asuka and Charlotte or you can have AJ and Nakamura as the main event. I'm sorry, based on storyline, you'd have to go for Charlotte and Asuka as opposed to, you know, so I don't think it's a man and woman thing. I don't think it's a all of the Mr. Bolt and other female thing. I think the feud has been dire. Uh, Bianca wasn't really built before uh, the Royal Rumble. She had a small feud with Bailey on TV, but nothing nothing big, nothing outstanding, if you get me. Um and we even spoke in the group chat earlier, myself, David Campbell and Stephen Wilson, about how Bianca Belair was better built last year during the NXT title feud between Charlotte and Rhea than she is this year when she is meant to be in the main event. And and that that's the other thing. Last year's um, Universal title feud with uh, Goldberg and Roman and then Goldberg and Braun was rubbish. Mm-hmm. So if that didn't main event and Rhea Ripley, Charlotte did, or uh, Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch did, I would have absolutely no complaints whatsoever because I think I think they could easily main event. But Sasha, uh, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, certainly with the storylines being told now and with two weeks to WrestleMania, is not a main event feud. Mm. So what you're saying is it's WWE's fault that they've not been booked as high profile as they should have been. Yeah, it's lazy storylines um, because you're looking, you know, Bad Bunny and The Miz has been a better built storyline than <laughs> yeah. Sasha and Bianca. Bobby Lashley and Drew, you know, they've got the history in TNA, they've got the history last summer when Bobby was trying to, you know, get himself together and maybe the WWE title match was a wee bit too soon for him. Then you've got, you know, on night two, Roman Reigns and Edge, looks like Daniel Bryan's going to be added to it. That's a great build just now. Asuka yep. Rhea Ripley won't main event because there's been no build. And, you know, that that's not the fault of Rhea or Asuka. That's the fault of, you know, Asuka being out injured and Charlotte now dealing with COVID, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Yep. But, no, I think the more interesting story and the bigger match should main event, you know, and Roman Reigns versus Edge versus probably Daniel Bryan will main event night two. And night one, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre will main event. And I don't think that is an issue because, I'm sorry, but Sasha and Bianca, the storyline hasn't deserved it. And if they take issue, you know, if, if anyone takes issue with that, 
take it up with WWE because they were the ones that dropped the ball. Aye, yeah, I think you've I think you've uh, you sort of hit it there, and we'll go straight to a point now which you just mentioned there, Charlotte Flair. She's been removed from the WrestleMania poster, and like her WWE status is a bit in is a bit a bit up for debate lately because not only is she tested positive for COVID and is now sitting at home recovering, but her fiance and- Andrade has been granted his release and without a 90-day no-compete clause, so which means any company could scoop him up at any time now. Uh, so, But there was a, there was a, something that was posted on Twitter about... But this turned out to be a fake story, apparently. Apparently, Charlotte was sort of made to choose between either siding with Andrade uh, and granting his release or competing at WrestleMania. And I think she took the... the op- well... The rumor was that she voluntarily chose to be kept off WrestleMania so that Andrade could be granted his release. I I don't know where, where those sort of rumors sort of came about, but do you think when you first heard that, did it actually make a lot of sense? It made sense because, you know, we've seen cross-brand and cross-promotional people, you know, have have relationships before, you know... <laughs> Not every couple in the world works together. You know what I mean? Like, mm. my missus is a nurse. I'm in no, quali- no way qualified <laughs> to deal. I faint at the sight of blood, so I'm in no way qualified. Uh, and a couple <laughs> um, of couples, you know, they've got, you know, couples that work in WWE and AEW, respectively. Yeah, Britt Baker and Adam Cole are the prime examples of that. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I think, I, I don't think... That it's untrue that she maybe went to bat for him and used her influence to be like, let him go. Because if the person you're with's not happy, you're not happy. Mm-hmm. And I, do, I don't think her, her status is up there. I don't think she'll leave. I think she is WWE through and through. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate she's tested positive for COVID because, you know, our match last year at WrestleMania with Rhea was sensational. WrestleMania 35, the first women's main event. She was a big part of that, and she rightfully should have been added. That's mm-hmm. in a case where someone should have been added to the main event. Um, you know, the matches with Asuka at Mania 34, the triple threat match at 32. She, some great WrestleMania matches. She is a WrestleMania highlight reel, and it'll be a shame she's not there, but, you know, it does give Rhea and Asuka a time to shine, and... Bianca Belair is in her first proper singles WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks' first singles WrestleMania match. So it gives everybody, a, you know, different people a chance to shine. And hopefully she gets well soon and is back on TV soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, but one other thing coming out of WWE, well, specifically NXT, uh, the NXT tag titles have been vacated. Now, Danny Burch has suffered a separated shoulder. So William Regal has vacated the tag titles and it leaves some speculation now for takeover stand and deliver uh my early prediction i'm just going to throw it out there i think we're going to get an msk versus grizzled young veterans rematch and i think gyv could possibly take it this one i don't know what you think about that i think you might see a a multi-team sort of thing going on um i i was wondering what pete dunn was going to do at wrestlemania takeover uh, or take over to Stan and deliver. Because um, I actually thought him going up against Escobar and Birch and Lorcan going up against uh, what's the Raul Gonzalez, uh, Raul Garcia and 
Well, you mean the Legado del Fantasma? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the... the Aye, Ra- Raul Mendoza. And, Mendoza. Yeah. Oh, the other, the other guy's name escapes me, unfortunately. I, I'm thinking Zima Ion and DJZ, but that was his TNA's names. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I honestly cannot. I know I know him as Legado del Fantasma. I, I honestly can't. Google it because it's going to annoy both of us. Joaquin Wild, that's the other guy. Joaquin Wild, yes. Robert Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> Still game reference. Um, yeah, I, I thought the, the three of them going up against each other, uh, sorry, the three on three against each other for the Cruiserweight and Tag Titles would have been good. Obviously, we're getting uh, Devlin versus uh, Escobar, yeah. Escobar. I keep forgetting everybody's name here today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the undisputed uh, Cruiserweight title. But maybe, honest, I, I prefer that, actually, because, you know, that's a story that's happened because of COVID. No, uh, but maybe maybe Pete Dunne could be in the corner of uh, Oni Larkin, the way sort of Adam Cole filled in for Bobby Fish. Mm. You know, he could be in that corner. You could have, you know, Thatcher and Champa and the whole, you know, Imperium thing playing out there. You've got you know, Grizzled Young Veterans and MSK. I wouldn't mind seeing a multi-man match that Grizzled Young Veterans win and then MSK get their match further down the line because I think Grizzled Young Veterans were on the road to being a really, really solid tag team in NXT before COVID and the travel ban hit. And then MSK, I like them, but I think they're better chasing than they are holding. They've got that really cool Uh underdog energy about them. You can't help for root for them when they're going for it. But once they've got the titles, it's like, well, well what happens now? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find that out on NXT, hopefully. So it's, uh, and then hopefully that'll set things up for our NXT preview show, which we'll be doing uh, the night before Stand and Deliver on ESSR Media Week 2021. That'll be no, it's the, the night of Stand and Deliver Night One. That we're All right, doing. night of Stand. Thanks for correcting me on that. <laughs> Uh, you might be yeah. hosting it, Dave, for Christ's sake. I, I know, but, it is. I mean, you work out the logistics, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's us uh, sharing responsibility here. Uh, but yeah, we'll quickly jump now over to Impact. So Rich Swans defeated Moose, and he will now face Kenny Omega, title for title at Rebellion. Kenny Omega appeared on Impact this week as well with Don Callis, so they're obviously hyping up this event, which I think is taking place in about a month's time. Uh, but yeah. April 24th, I believe. April 24th, yep. Uh, but one other key key statistic, because you know I love statistics here, it's next uh, on the next Impact show, it's going to be James Storm's 1,000th match. And he's... Uh, I, mean, I mean, we've seen James Storm compete in ICW before, but he, it's mad to think, you know, he's actually racked up 1,000 matches now. Uh, and he's going to be facing Eric Young for his 1,000th his one. And there was a bit of statistics thrown out as well. It turns out that 94 of those matches... We're with Eric Young, so that's just shy of nine and a half percent of the of his career has been facing Eric Young. I mean, it's like, I mean, if you thought Cena Orton version one thousand and thirty two was enough, I mean, this this is just as big. Yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, both guys, TNA originals. Both guys always seem to find their way back there. You know, it's sort of a, a place where they are comfortable. Uh, and, you know, it goes all the way back to the American Most Wanted versus Team Canada days, you know. Mm-hmm. People think of, you know, beer money, James Storm, you know. It was it was a time where he was going up against Bobby Roode before they split up. You know, 
Bobby Roode being on Team Canada with Eric Young, Chris Harris, you know, Brandon Brandon Walker, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, team with James Storm. So yeah, it's been a long, long, long old road to get us here. And it's it's amazing that he's managed one thousand one thousand matches with one company as an achievement. Mm-hmm. It's pretty outstanding stuff. But yeah. Uh now we'll hop skipping a jump over to AEW now. Now there's some a few minor points coming out of this one, but Pinnacle, the new stable, is getting their first trios match. So it's FTR and Sean Spears going up against the team of Varsity Blondes and Dante Michael, I think it is. I don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I know AEW's just signed so many talent, you almost forget who's who. It's like, that's the, that's the, the theme of today's show. We're just terrible with names. So it's, uh, but yeah, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this new stable, Pinnacle. Because uh, obviously we talked about it on last week's Central, but What's your what's your thoughts on it? Um, I so I watched um, what was the last pay per view? Revolution. Uh, I watched that the day after, um, and it was when they went. We are going to have a war council, and it was this. We need we need a change in strategy, and almost very sinister. MGF went yes, yes we do, and it was like oh you know what, what's what's going down here. Um, I thought he was going to kick Chris Jericho out and he would take over the inner circle. Uh, you know, because he's already got rid of Sammy Guevara. Maybe he could kick out uh, Hager and you could have, you know, Hager and uh, Pride and Powerful doing the bidding. Uh, sorry, uh, Wardlow and Pride and Powerful doing the bidding mm-hmm. while they're going up against Jericho, Hager and Sammy Guevara while MGF kind of sits on the sidelines and pulls the strings. But it was, what you call it? It was, it was a weird one to see him go, actually, no, I'm going to get my own stable now. And, you know, FTR and Sean Spears, we've thought about them being in a sort of four horsemen thing. We thought they were going to go with Cody. Um, but no, no I, I think the MGF stable worked really well together. Um, and I look forward to the matches coming up. I think, I think it'll be a really, really cool stable going forward, I think. Mm-hmm. But my hope is they don't come up against the elite because nobody ever seems to beat the elite and you know AEW. You know they're always you know they're always positioned at a higher sort of place. It's ironic that Cody Rhodes is booking you know AEW considering Dusty Rhodes used to book himself and all his pals is like the guy standing tall after war games back in the day. Mm-hmm. So. I think would you call it, I think it will be it will, it will be a good stable, but I hope they don't come up against the elite anytime soon. No. My my only my initial wish for this feud is I hope they get to go up against the inner circle five v five in the blood and guts match, which was supposed to happen last year with the elite. I think this has got a lot more a lot more storytelling and a lot more bad blood. So this this would be this would be interesting. But well, uh, who, sorry, who, who's on the stable? So it's MGF, Wardlow. MGF, Wardlow, FTR, and Sean Spears. And, and, and managed by Tully Blanchard. And Inner Circle's got Jericho. Jericho Sammy Guevara, No, Jake no, Hager. Sammy Guevara got kicked out. No, no, I think he's rejoined. I, I don't think he did, but I, well, if he has, it's completely flung my fantasy book in any disarray. I was <laughs> going to say you could have the whole, you know, Sammy, come on, we need you. And Sammy sort of retribution thing where he gets back into the group and, you know, he, 
he learns to trust them again and maybe he picks up the win for them. I think that could be quite cool. No, but, I think that was a. I think that was just part of the whole way of trying to catch out MGF. It was like, you know, as if the, the inner circle sort of fallen apart and then MGF takes advantage of it. But uh, based on the reveal of Pinnacle, it looks like Sammy Guevara could very well be back in the inner circle and that way we've got a 5v5 set up. Right. Uh, but uh, some other news coming out of AEW this week. Uh, Laredo Kid is going to be making his Dynamite debut. Now, the last time we saw him on AEW was back at Fighter Fest, where he was teaming with the Lucha Brothers to face the Elite. Uh, and now he's once again teaming with the Elite uh, to face the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. It's quite interesting how Laredo Kid keeps turning up because it always seems to be when Pac is not medically cleared to compete. So I, mean, that's, I thought that was quite a, an interesting fact. And I think the last time I remember seeing Laredo Kid uh, was in Impact Wrestling where he teamed with none other than Angel Garza, uh, of which was quite interesting. But are you excited to see Laredo Kid back in action? Uh, I've seen him once at, I believe it was Fighter Fest. Uh, I've, I thought it was good then. I, I don't really have any strong feelings towards him. My strong feelings are why is Brandon Cutler teaming with the Young Bucks? <laughs> it is a bit if there was ever confirmation that you're here because you're our friend, it's people like QT Marshall and Brandon Cutler cutting about. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, the match, you know, the trios match, um, obviously Kenny Omega, a far better wrestler than Brandon Cutler, but the trios match between the the three luchers and uh, the elite dressed as like, Street Fighter characters was, um, was a really good match. I, I've no doubt this will be a really good match as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but now we'll move into our final section of Central this week, and it's going to be about the Hall of Fame. Now, at time of recording... Standing in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, I can tell you're a fan of the script. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the, in the space of a few hours at time of recording, we've actually had a number of names either be confirmed or rumoured to be confirmed at the for the Hall of Fame this year. One of the big announcements that came on the bump was Undertaker saying that... Kane! That Kane is going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. I mean, this one actually kind of took me aback because I didn't think he was going to go in for another couple of years. But, you know, Ross, I think, would it be safe to say Scott's uh, heart is racing right now because Kane is his absolute favourite? I'm sure he's delighted. Um, I've kind of let him just deal with it on his own. (laughs) But I'm sure he's he's beaming ear from ear what we've been his favourite wrestler and all. But... What I think is he's announced recently he's seeking re-election for the seat of uh, the mayor of Knox County. Mm -hmm. He is, I believe, 53 years old now. So, you know, I I think they know that if he's seeking re-election, his career's uh, 53, I've just checked it there. He turns 54 just after WrestleMania and he's seeking re-election for a political seat. He won't obviously be able to go out and wrestle as much as he wants. You know what I mean? Like, I think he got to do the Saudi thing because WWE donated money to like a a fund, a political fund in Knox County, which allowed him to like donate money to services and all that, and then be like, "Well, guys, I had to go do that because it got us the money to build, you know, this, that, and the next thing." Don't think that'll fly if he's re-elected. And, yeah, I think they maybe just think, right, his career's come to an end. Let's get him in now. 
Let's get him in before, you know, the big year of re-election where that'll be his sole focus takes place. Uh, I mean, it's... I'd hate to sort of have it be surrounded, you know, with like a political aspect and stuff, but it's... uh, I think we just need to sort of focus on you know, how decorated his, his career is, because he is... Oh, no, um, no, I, I, he, 100% deserving. I'm just saying I think it's now, because I, I think they know his career is done because he has chosen to step away right, from yeah. politics. Aye, okay. Uh, but, you know, he, that goes without saying, you know, he, he continues to break records in the Royal Rumble this year because he obviously entered this year, I think it was his 19th Rumble, and has now got 46 eliminations, so no more 44 okay. jokes for Scott McLeod. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think thoroughly deserved, and The Undertaker himself is going to be inducting Kane, which I think, you know, I think it's, that was a no-brainer, given the, those two, you know, have been teaming as the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Kane, the only one to show up in full gear. <laughs> um, yeah, Undertaker's retirement ceremony. Uh, so hopefully, Undertaker shows up in full gear to induct him. Mm. Make, uh, there have been other rumors as well because obviously WrestleMania is going to go back to Dallas next year. Do you reckon that's when the Undertaker will get inducted? Yeah, Dallas will be Undertaker. Hollywood will be The Rock. Yeah, that might. I think you I think we could be onto something there. But some of the other names that have come out uh, this week. You know, I think Molly Holly was the first to be announced this year. Yeah, that was a really nice moment. Uh, That was a really nice thing with her. Gregory Helms couldn't get through it for crying. Then I think she knew it was coming. And then when she was officially told, it was a really nice moment between two friends, I think. And she thoroughly deserves it. She is one of the, you know, the Molly Holly character is hilarious. The Molly Holly, just, uh, sorry, the Mighty Molly character is hilarious. Molly Holly herself, what I thought was a really good uh, wrestler, a bit of a bit of a step away from all the you know glamour model style figures. You know, she she wanted to be taken seriously in an era where wrestling for women really wasn't. So yeah, I think she thoroughly deserves it. She is a former hardcore champion as well, which is a title that was you know I mean male or females could have held them, but you know it's not not that many women actually held that that championship. So I mean yeah, she's definitely one of the 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 trailblazers for what should have been a great women's division back in the sort of early 2000s. Uh, but yeah. the, other, the other name that came up this week as well, and this was a, this was a very well-deserving announcement, I think. Eric Bischoff, former, yes. owner of, former owner of WCW, former Raw general manager, and, you know, sort of a wrestling personality there and thereabouts who sort of jumps between promotions, but definitely one of the, the best leading authority figures in the wrestling business. Uh, I think this goes without saying this this mention is, is thoroughly earned on the part of Bischoff. Yeah, he's done so much for WWE. Uh, for, well, not meaning to, he's done so much for WWE because, like, if there was no Nitro going live every week, there would be no Raw going live every week. Mm-hmm. If there was no Thunder, there'd be no SmackDown, which went right up against it. You know, you've got AEW coming out with two and three shows to keep up with WWE, who have had two and three shows. That all started with WCW. You know, they were the ones that went live. They were the ones that did monthly pay-per-views instead of, like, big fours or pay-per-views every eight, six to eight weeks. You know, mm-hmm. they the, the model that WWE covers now is was to keep up with WCW in the 90s. And he gave so many people, you know, for what you may think of how WCW used them when they got there, they were the first people to give 
a nationwide platform to likes of Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, uh, Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. You know, the Cruiserweight division in WCW is still talked about fondly to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling is, you know, the thing that wrestling hipsters all love now. Uh, he had a deal with them back in the day before the likes of Ring of Honor had a deal with them. You know, so a, a guy who has done so much for the wrestling business and was a great authority fig- figure in both WCW and WWE, never afraid to get, get his hands dirty, never afraid to get in the ring and hopefully, you know, he always took an ass whooping. He never tried to make himself look better than he was. So Aye. thoroughly deserved. Uh, but unfortunately, one other current WWE Hall of Famer doesn't share those thoughts. Uh, I think Booker T's actually been given a bit of a mixed response to, to Bischoff's uh, announcement because he has been quoted as saying, I'm in between it, honestly. I don't have a vote who gets into the Hall of Fame or not or anything like that. Do his accomplishments, you know, excuse excuse me, his body of work mount up to Hall of Fame stats. I don't know how we're measuring these stats, stated Booker. Be honest, because when I look at the Hall of Fame in the wrestling business, I look at at Hall of Fame as the wrestling, okay? Just about everybody that goes in the Hall of Fame, they wrestle. Uh, I'm not sure if those comments are entirely justified, given that, you know, we've had, you know, celebrities and authority figures go into the, the Hall of Fame for not necessarily on a, a wrestling manner, but just sort of more how they contributed to the wrestling industry. So do you think Booker's got a point there, or do you think uh, do you think that they're a bit harsh, these comments? It's weird that Booker T talks about what are the points we're going to score, you know, people on for the Hall of Fame, because, you know, if I had mad score, he wouldn't be a two-time Hall of Famer, Booker T. I'm sorry, there's... Um, I find the whole two-time Hall of Fame thing a bit a bit silly. But if there is going to be people that are going to be two-time Hall of Famers, then I think the likes of Shawn Michaels, yes. You know, he he influenced an entire generation of wrestlers and was, you know, above and beyond anyone at that time except maybe Bret Hart, who's also a two-time inductee. And you know what? I'm glad he... He got to go in twice. Ric Flair, again, he influenced the generation that came up with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, you know. He is... Those are three really outstanding people, and I think Triple H will join them one day as a a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. The likes of Booker T, I'm sorry, they're not two-time Hall of Famers. He, He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame in his own right. I think it was to get his brother in that they went, went in as a, a duel. Harlem Heat, yeah. But, you know, Harlem Heat stand on their own. So, if you, you know, Booker T went on to become a very successful singles competitor. Stevie Ray went on to become part of the NWO and then went on to become a very successful trainer. People like Ember Moon came out of Booker T's school, which is, you know, when he's on the road with WWE, it's Stevie Ray that trains him. So, you know, I think he, you know, Stevie Ray deserved in on his own right. Just like Eric Bischoff deserves in on his own right. So, mm-hmm. you know, for someone like Booker T who got in twice when, I'm sorry, they're not a two-time Hall of Famer to maybe have a pop at someone, 
I think is a bit laughable. Mm. You know, but Booker T is is a company man for WWE now, and maybe he's just mad that Eric Bischoff maybe didn't book him the way he wanted to be booked in 2000 WCW. I don't know. Yeah. Uh- just going through the, the 2020 inductees as well, obviously, because, you know, that Hall of Fame ceremony didn't happen because of COVID. I actually forgot the British Bulldog was a part of the 2020 class because there's so much discussion around the Hall of Fame right now. Uh, but one name that was announced by WWE India this week as well, <laughs> and I never thought I'd say these words, but the great Kali has been announced for the Hall of Fame as well. Like... I mean, right. you know, Booker wants to make comments about, you know, wrestling statistics. I mean, where the hell do you start with this one? But, uh, but in all seriousness, he has been he has been a, a global ambassador for WWE in a lot of aspects. And he is a former world champion, even though he wasn't exactly the best one. But, uh, I mean... He, he had no wrestling ability, but yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to try and give a positive spin on this, okay? Yeah, yeah, just get, get the jokes out. But, you know, I, let's, I, I, let's try and justify it. I'm going, to, I'm going to use British Bulldog as the measuring stick, okay? Now, British Bulldog match against Bret Hart in 1992 SummerSlam, which was all Bret Hart aside, was not the best wrestler. Now, he was nowhere near as bad as Great Khali, but, you know, he wasn't, you know, a, a technical masterclass. However, he was beloved by fans in the UK and fans in Europe, because this was a time where anyone from Europe was seen as a bad guy, or, you know, it was all the red, white, and blue American heroes, and, you know, the furthest afield you've seen people coming from was Canada. You know what I mean? Like, it was all, you know, there was no national, you know, there wasn't a big talent pool of international stars. And British Bulldog was the, the poster boy for the European tours, and the UK tours, and, you know, he was such a big star there, and he got a lot of British and European people into wrestling. Now, you look at Great Kali coming from India, where there wasn't a lot of people from India, I don't think there had ever really been Indian wrestlers. Tiger Ali, was Tiger Ali seen Indian, or? Uh, uh, Not entirely sure, can't really comment. I didn't want to say it in case... Yeah, Kali does have the honour of being the first Indian-born world champion in WWE. Well, well, there you go. So, he, like, you, we talk about diversity and how it's it's nice to see people who look like you on TV screens and on superhero films and wrestling shows and what have you, and how representation and diversity matters. Well, you know, think for when WWE started broadcasting in India how these people felt seeing someone like the great Kali as world champion. You know what I mean? It'd be the same way British fans felt in the 90s seeing the British Bulldog. So, and, you know, he has opened a training school. A couple of his trainees have signed with WWE. Apparently some of them are meant to be quite good. So maybe he's better as a trainer than he was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is a global ambassador. So, you know what? Fair play. Fair play. Uh, he's, he's no worse than Coco Beware. <laughs> being in the Hall of Fame, or Drew Carey for Christ's sake, or God forbid Donald Trump. Uh, so you know what? Fair play to Great Cali. You know what? Chris you know what? Well, said, just, just roll with it, yeah. Like but, Chris Murray says every current Universal WWE champion, and eventually they'll get round to like every AEW 
Mm. Sorry, AWA and WCW champion eventually. Yeah. So, fair play, Cali. I mean, he joins the, the Bella Twins as well, which obviously wasn't a very popular inductee amongst the wrestling audience. All they need now is Hornswoggle and they've got the full trifecta. Well, well the, the, the sort of argument I made for British Bulldog and Cali uh, bringing in a whole new generation of European and, or Indian fans... You could say the same about female fans. That that was the Bella Twins with their crossover into reality TV. And yeah. you, you can squirm your face there. Go back and listen. SummerSlam 2016, Nikki Bella's surprise return. The cheer, and it's mostly women and uh, little girls that are cheering. And it is deafening. And it just shows the, the sort of the sort of, you know, connection she made with that that audience. WWE wanted that audience. They brought them in and they made the connection. And then when the Bella Twins left, they stayed for, you know, other wrestlers. So, fair play to the Bella Twins as well. Okay. All right. I, I stand corrected. But uh, just a couple of uh, last points before we wrap up. Uh there has been one name that's been rumoured for this year, and I want to sort of get like a sort of short, snappy response to think should they should they be inducted this year? RVD has also been rumoured to be an inductee this year. Uh, do you think? Do you think that will happen? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, they're, they're trying to. I think it's going to be like a mega class to get two years worth of people in, but. Mm. Yeah, RVD, I don't have any problem with him going in. Multi-time world champion in multiple promotions, multiple continental champion. Had a great connection with, you know, I mentioned on the the WrestleMania 17 retro review that were, that's on the main feed shortly, um, about how there was this group of wrestlers in the late 90s, early 2000s, like Chris Jericho, uh, Jeff and Matt, and a couple of other people at Scotty Too Hotty. Uh, they were the the young young people liked them. Young people gravitated towards them. Maybe it was because of one move, like the Worm with Scotty Too Hotty, or maybe it was because they were like young and you'd run about the same age as them, and they were daredevils like the Hardys and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. RVD comes out of WWE in two thousand one and is instantly cheered, and the only member of the alliance that received cheers because. He was in that group. He was in that sort of cool group. You, you know, you had your Rocks and your Austins, your Triple H and your Undertakers, but it was this mid-card that the, the young people really connected to. Mm. I sound like I'm 96 year old. That young people. <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, it, it stands, you know, and he was still going yeah, I, I get you, I get, I get, I get what you mean. Like he was my RVD's like was my cousin's favorite wrestler, and he was one of the guys that I sort of was sort of drawn to when I first started watching wrestling yeah. on a week by week basis. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from because he has that you know that unique acrobatic style in the ring. Like not only could he wrestle, but he could do flips, kicks, and that frog splash is something else as well. Yeah, four four decades he's been wrestling, you know, and he's had feuds with everyone from Sabu Isina to. Kane to Sting, you know, Edge, Edge, John Cena, you know, he's Triple H, everyone, and he has always came out. You know, I, we talked earlier about how Nakamura putting people over. You're like, ah, oh, RVD, he never seemed to suffer. 
You know, he was he was always well loved by the fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, fingers crossed he gets to go in this year. But if if not this year, I think next year's a, a surefire uh, inductee. But the last point I want to make, uh, somebody that's not going to be inducted this year, unfortunately, but even though they were announced last year, uh, Batista has been removed from the Hall of Fame induction this year. So he's posted on Twitter, unfortunately, due to previous obligations, I'm unable to be a part of the Hall of Fame next year or this year. By my request, they have agreed to induct me at a future ceremony while be able to properly thank the fans and people who made my career possible. So I think he is going to be in the Hall of Fame, just not just not now. Which is a shame, really, because he was inducted... Well, he was announced 2020, but it doesn't look like he's going to be inducted until at least 2022. But, yeah, um, sorry, go. Oh, no, no, I was just saying... Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, he's a big-time Hollywood actor now. He's got obligations, he's got commitments, so it's... And, you know, COVID sort of spoiled the the first induction. So it's, it's a bit of a shame, but it's good to know that, you know, there's there's no malice in it. You know, WWE still holds him in high regard and he has a surefire uh, future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think um, to this point, you look at any, any big Hollywood actor, you know, current Hollywood actors, um, IMDb page, you'll have films going right up to like, you know, three years in the future. You know, mm. a lot of th- a lot of times when people sign on for big franchises, like he did with Guardians of the Galaxy, which is now crossing over with like the Thor universe and all that. Mm. Um, I think, you know, he's got that, and he's got so many other commitments, and then obviously with COVID delaying everything for a couple of years, you know, or at least eighteen months, mm-hmm. filming only to start resuming on things, and it'll be short, snappy filming commitments where you know nothing else is permitted so i think you know some you know wrestlemania's marketing this year has said finally yeah i think you might see the rock this year you won't see him next year because he's going to be doing a lot um you, you know he's going to be doing the dc universe and i think with the marvel universe and a lot more dave batista's never hid for the fact that he wants to experimenting you know if he fails he fails on his terms you know what i mean like he he wants to go out there and try himself as like a proper actor not just an action star yeah so he's signed up for a lot of things and in all fairness to him though the the deal the 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 payoff he's getting from the marvel cinematic universe is pretty much set him up for life because you know the marvel cinematics arguably the biggest uh sort of movie franchise there is and you know he's done cross. He's he's he could he is credited as being part of the second highest grossing film of all time. Unfortunately, Avatar's overtook it again. So, but you know what? I I appreciate you know Batista. You know he's trying to get out, get even out there as an actor. He's not just doing a one and done deal with the Marvel universe. He he, he obviously enjoys doing it. And he wants to keep going with all these bookings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be what you call it. He's. I don't think there's too much of a big deal about it. Like. He's not going in this year. It's agreed by both parties. It was at Batista's request. Mm-hmm. He'd like to be there. And, if you, and, you know, WWE's agreed to it. So everything's fine. Yep. I mean, it gives them room for, you know, putting some, maybe another person in there, and that person could very well be RVD. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, Batista is going to be 
inducted in the Hall of Fame eventually. So that, that that's a guarantee at least. So, But yeah, that's going to do it for, for this week's episode of Central. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you like what we've been listening to, uh, we've got new Central episodes coming out every Thursday and our ESSR feature shows, which come out every Tuesday. This week, we were talking about WrestleMania matches that should have happened, uh, where I talk to the panel and they present their cases to which matches should have taken place and at which mania specifically. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. We've got Quiz Showdown, we've got the Book It Tournament, and also the Conspiracy Theory, so plenty of good content there. And make sure you're subscribed to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all good Android podcasting sites. And be sure to follow us on social media, our Eat Sleep Suplex, community, Suplex Retweet community page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Suplex Retweet. So... That's uh, be sure to follow us on that aspect. First, Ross, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. Not at all. Just a quick plug. Obviously, you mentioned this week's is many matches that should have happened. I believe next week will be WrestleMania 17 retro review. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, me, Gary, Scott McLeod, and Chris Murray. Chris Murray back from the back from the outskirts of ESSR. <laughs> yep. Joining us there, and of course. Uh, we'll be on the live pay-per-view preview shows. Yep. Going forward, they are going to be one hour before the the pre-show kicks off. So if WWE Network says the pre-show is kicking off at 11, we'll be with you at 10 o'clock on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat Facebook page and in the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat community. You can get involved, you can talk to us. And hey, if we run a wee bit over, stay with us. It means you don't need to listen to Sam Roberts or Pete Rosenberg. <laughs> All right, thank you for the plugs there. Uh, I've been David Hockney, this has been ESSR Central, and we'll see you next time. Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel. And that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends.